This is the Bookie Should Amos podcast where we serve you all the book build trends that your mind needs. Welcome once again. Last month, we covered the review of the book, The Jewish Phenomenon. And while we had that last month, it occurred to me that a lot of people have stories to share. And some people want to write books, they want to alter their own story and they don't know how to go about it and so that's what this season is going to be about it's a new day and we'll bring you a first season on the bookish Williams podcast thank you so much for joining us before we dive into the accelerating journey for today let me do a quick summary of the themes we'll be covering this season if you're listening right now and you've had the sudden desire to author a book, or it's been on your goals list for the past five years or so. All you know is you have a story to tell, but you just don't know where to start. You feel like life is already a lot. How can you even think to add this? How does the process even work? And you do not want to publish just anything. You want something remarkable, impactful for your readers, such that when you see your book, on the stand of your favorite bookstore, you want to be proud. Well, I get you. And on this creative odyssey, I am for you and you're winning. This subject right here is exactly what we'll be covering this month. Welcome to the Bookish Redeemers podcast, where we serve you all the book nutrient that your mind needs. And thank you for joining us again. Some of the themes we're going to be covering this month includes writing a book, bringing it to life while managing a full-time job, and the other demands that might be competing for your time. The negotiation dance with publishers, the steps you need to take to self-publish a polished work. So yes, we're going to be having those who have self-published their books and those who went the traditional route. Also, we'll talk about the secrets to managing time effectively while upholding quality and definitely golden nuggets of advice from published authors for aspiring authors who find themselves in a similar journey, you know, everything along those lines. And our first guest this season is a creative scientist and light bearer. He's passionate about the possibilities of sustainable plastics. His current research and publications are featured in Springle Journal and the American Chemical Society, ACS, Nigeria Publications. He believes that the more we develop ourselves as humans, the better we can trust our journey to creating the world we desire. He is a podcast host, he records video courses, and is the author of the upcoming book, why I decided not to be great again. Why I decided not to be great again. Interesting title, don't you think? <laughs> that movie's second book, by the way, is debut. It's titled, Do I Have Value? You have not met his kind. Kindly join me in welcoming Samuel Egariva. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to have you here. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. You know what I've titled this episode? Crafting words. 
juggling worlds. And I know that bio was a summarized version of all that you do and embody. That's in fact a good place to start. Would you be kind enough to reintroduce yourself very simply? What do you do? How do you spend time? Please leave nothing out. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, you mentioned most of what I do. So Samuel the Garival, I, I want to give a summarized version, but now you put me on the spot say so I should I should, you know, just go on and on and mention everything there is. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd say that um, um I'm someone who believes um, I should share my inspiration with just one more person. And that's what inspired the number of what I'm, uh, I'm currently doing. So through books, through podcasts, through video courses, um, even random sit-out conversation meetups I have with people and every other thing I do has inspired it really. Um, so I would say I am a creative. I also do some bit of educational work, you know, in a school. Um, I work as a director. And then there's my MSc degree, which I'm currently uh, rounding up somewhere around chemistry, polymer chemistry, has to do with plastics, just as you mentioned. So yeah, so these are largely three things uh, I currently do now and I'm really passionate about. But of course, if you take that away with Samuel, I'll say I'm someone who loves to explore. I'm someone who I love newness, yeah. That word, newness, uh, you know, travel, those are some of the things that inspire me. And if you check all, across all number of things I do, you'll see that it reflects. Balancing the full-time job, your research commitment, all you do, and writing a book, scratch that, writing books, <laughs> it's for me, they will. Um, can you share your strategies for managing your time effectively and finding inspiration amid a busy schedule? That's an interesting question. Thank you. Um, I'd say one of the things I I don't know where I learned that from, but I remember when I just started because prior to this I was um, engaged in my research work. You know, going to the lab. And there was, of course, I was rounding that up. And there was also, you know, the book. I also, I began working. Um, anyway, I'd been, let's say I've been working on the, this current book for um, about over a year. So um, it's just been there working. So when I got that job, full-time job, I remembered one of the things I did was I said, you know what, I'm going to just section my time. Um when I wake up, say, 5 a.m. to somewhere around 7 a.m., I'm going to be writing. Then, let's say 6.30, I mean, of course, I have to prepare and then go get to work, which is like on-site. And then, say, from 8 a.m., 8.30, I'm at work till, say, 3 p.m. And then once I return. So, I'm giving these blocks of time because... Um, one of the strategy I'm trying to explain now is when I am at work, I only do work. I don't, regardless of how interested I'm like, ah, oh, I have a free space. You know what? I think I should. I think I should just get back to the book and see, maybe just review this section. It's like, nope, nope. This is work time. It's concentrated on time. And 
And I think one of the things that really helped me is that mental, he has created that clarity. So I'm always in my zone. The morning I'm working on the book, that's the zone. There's no idea on work. There's no idea on anything. I'm just focused on it. And then once that time space passed mentally, I move on to the next thing. And it was really, it was really helpful. I didn't get things modeled up, you know, trying to, you know, combine at some free space. I have maybe one hour break here. You know, I'm trying to force my book in and, you know, and then, yeah, I don't, I, I decided not to do that. So it's been working. It's been productive. Time management, one, is it puts me in a power zone. And when it puts me in a power zone, it means I will be doing more in less time. I think that's also an effective time management strategy. Based on that, was there a schedule you know, where you say by December, I'm done writing and by March, I'll be fully published or you just went with a flow of things? <laughs> yeah, okay, there was both. Uh... I'll be honest, there was both. Um, okay, so I didn't start from the point where I wanted to write a book. That's this one. Of course, I started from a podcast. I felt um, this was something I needed to put out on my podcast channel. And so I recorded, I did, of course, I recorded and I put it out there. But after that, I felt like there was still a lot more that I needed to, I needed to handle and everything. So I decided to do like a another series you know and like a continuation from the other one and then yes i did that and after that second one i still felt like ah no there's still a lot of areas i did not cover on those two and so i was i was torn i was torn between i was like am i going to then have like series three series four like you know are you not going to talk about other things on the podcast i mean no i can't do that <laughs> i was thinking in that moment what do i do i said mm, maybe i could just develop it into a short material who knows i could just mention on my podcast that hey um you could actually check out this link you know and get to um, see more on this subject yeah but we're gonna move on in the podcast to something else right <laughs> so that's what happened and of course i started writing and then it was two pages it was four it was 10 it was 30 pages it was 40 and i was like wait wait what am i doing so i'm trying to say that those periods was just you know there were no time bounds there was no schedule i just kept writing and writing and writing so fast forward to say Let's say a year later, um, I had talking about lots of pages, which could I could churn out as a book. And so I was saying, mm, you know what, maybe this should be a book. And of course, I started the whole process. And um, since I already had an experience with the former one, I said, okay, it's fine. Let's do this. And so I started. So those periods, really, um, I really didn't have schedule. But now, currently that I made that decision okay you know what then this is going to be a book because I mean this is just this is just great so of course I put up schedules and time to edit time to review um, yeah so I did all of that I would usually want to do like several edits um, several reviews so I would, I would say okay this week I'm reviewing um, next week I'm reviewing third week maybe I run it for like a month um, so I do review one I do review two review three then review four sometimes i even get up to six so you know before i then um, reach out of course to the team that helps me to also review kind of because it's not only my process i have to then move it on to them and then there's that part i give them you know maybe a month or two to also do the ass and then comes back to me and then of course because of self-publishing there's a lot more you have to do you know with the whole 
building the format and everything. So yeah, there were there were I had I have that even currently um, this month. I should be done completely with all my reviews and I should push it to the review team. Too bad they are done. So let's say publishing um, is latest November, first week of November. I see. When you were speaking earlier about having a lot to say, you had to move from podcasting about the subject to compiling the material, which then turned into a book. This was a tweetable quote that came to me. If you can't finish saying it, write it. That is, where spoken words fall short, pivot to the written word. Ooh. Come on now, someone is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's interesting. I've never heard that. Okay, not to play down either. I see what you did in your case was to prevent boredom on the part of your listeners. Where the podcast then becomes about one long thing, and you want it to be about several subjects, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Do you recommend that would-be authors should have timelines as well? Where they reckon they want to write a book, then they say in two years, my book will be ready and they get to work trying to make that happen. Or it's better to go with the flow. But I like the fact that you, yeah, you mentioned that if you, I mean, you have an idea and you want to put it out. Um, so I had, <laughs> I had a constraint too. I had a constraint, of course. So when I say I was writing, I was writing a lot. So I hit 25K, 30K, right? Yeah, I remember. And then I'm checking, I'm going on Google. I'm saying that ah, 40K looks like something reasonable. I should be called a book, right? And I'm like, ah, and I'm at 25K, oh, approaching 30K. What am I going to do? And so I remember I'd, I'd put time schedule at that time, but I was like, you know what? I can't work with this time schedule. We are not doing 25K. How do we increase this word count? I mean, those periods, of course, there's creative parts, which is your idea. Of course, you're trying, you, you're bringing out something that you think is novel or new. And of course, there's the other part where maybe you want to back up your examples with stories. So those ones, you can actually outsource them. You get the stories from somewhere and just inserts them at portions to drive clarity, right? So for me, I think that it's a mix. So there are several elements which would make you want to just leave it out there and say, you know what, let's go with the flow. And so I did that. Um, let's use me. First, I'm the specimen. So, and then I realized that, what? It's almost a year over a year now. And it's like, really? 25K, we have to find a solution to this. I have to put myself on in that zone where... I tell myself, no, 25K, we're moving it, um, you know, to 30K, to 40K. So this would be dependent on the kind of book. Oh, sorry, I forgot to give that premise with books. So if it's like a self-help book, definitely you can hit your your word count. You can just tell yourself, oh, September, October, I'm using it right. I should be done by this time. You can actually do that. I, that's what I believe for self-help books because... Um, largely, yes, it has your idea, but there's a lot of research. There's a lot of, like I said, literature review. You must have talked, you know, you're pulling from several other ideas. So it's fine. All you have to do is just go and research more, get more ideas, and then you have more words. Time blocks work perfectly for self-help books. Then for memoirs, I think it's the same thing too, because it's like your story. So, um, so I'm saying that it would depend 
But however, I would advise that you actually put time blocks, yes, for these processes. But you may want to give yourself in a bit of space at the start. From there, say four months after, put yourself on a timeline. Definitely. Okay, so you recommend go with the flow, then regulate with timelines. Yes, definitely. Publishing yourself, of course, you know, putting up margins, fixing your borders, fixing all. You could actually put timelines on all all of those ones. Um, Pardon me, let me say one more thing. So because as nature of what I did, self-publishing as opposed to maybe traditional publishing of they get to do a number of things for you and you you just so um if that's the case there are two aspects of timeline so there's a timeline for like edits um like the whole book edit which would involve things like perfect margin you know kind of template you want to use your book size all those things are and definitely there's a time block for those ones because it's like an automated process. You can just roll over it. So it's reviewing the book, like going through grammatical and all of those things, definitely has a time block for it. You can't, those ones cannot be going with the flow. But the writing now, which is something else, because all these other things come when you're done writing. So in the writing process, of course, that's where you could have that space, you know, where you're just letting yourself go with the flow. And then once so I'm saying maybe three, four months after that, you then begin to place yourself on time blocks. That, okay, I'm going to put out a thousand words each day, two thousand words each day, three thousand. So that that still helps. Thank you for that. Okay. What genre of books do you write? So my first book was actually self-help, mm-hmm. non-fiction, definitely. So, but the current book I'm on is is a self-help memoir. So it's it's a mix. Um, meaning that um, I tell my story, you know, I share my story. And then through those portions of my story, I talk about some of the things I've learned, you know. Yeah, so that's it. Self-help memoir. Do we expect difference in the nearest future? I think I like self-help memoir. I think I, I perfectly like it. I, I don't see myself moving out of that area for now. Self-help or memoirs, I don't see myself going out of it. Uh-huh. You mentioned your first book. Can you share some main ideas from that book? And is it connected to this new one? Ah, it's connected. It's interesting. I was just smiling because I say um, it wasn't planned. Or I guess it's because it's me writing. My story is one, right? So somehow <laughs> it was, I wouldn't say it's a coincidence, but it just happens that I'm writing. I'm like, wait, hmm. This book looks like part two, yes. And so there was this flow, of course, kind of builds off from the first one. The first book talking about um, do I have value was something I I put out to people. I just taught a class and a lot of people were asking questions. I was answering, I was sending voice notes. I was, you know, typing, I was copying and pasting, editing to send to this person. And then I was like, wait, I've used almost one week to make responses on this particular subject about value. So that was how I started. And so I said, you know what, um, this has to go out as something people can just refer to. And do I have value? Basically, a central idea is just helping readers, helping people to move from a place of maybe ignorance or move from a place of not being sure. Yes. And then moving to a place of clarity of actually. So through the section of the book, there's a part where you also do enter it. There's a 30 day journal there where you enter every day helps you at the end of that process to arrive at points where they know that indeed they have value like they are they have worth they have so much value that they can actually 
um, offered to the world so much gift, so much potential in there. And so that was just what I was helping them do, um, basically, just to know that, yes, I'm, I'm valuable. And so this new one now kind of is riding on that and then is expanding to talk about a number of things you can do. And then it's also talking about mindsets to have. Yes. While in that process of serving your gift, offering your gift, of developing, refining and all of that. Yes. So. Your first book is titled, Do I Have Value? So you start your journey with the question of, do I have value? And you respond saying, yes, you do have value. And then the follow-up book is, why I decided not to be great again. Like, I'm no longer interested in this old business, uh, you know, value and greatness. <laughs> Does this <laughs> okay. Yeah, I said the value book. Let's try to see the strategy to catch people's attention or... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So I didn't see that. Thank you for that picture. You just painted. I mean, do I have value? Of course, anyone would, would agree that eventually what the book is saying is, yes, I have value, right? And then it's like, why well, I decided not. I decided to throw away the value. I'm not interested in the Okay, interesting. <laughs> this book um, is it's more of a mindset. Um, and so I'm saying that most people would start, would rather, of course, when you come to the point where you say, okay, I'm of value, I'm of worth, um, I know I have abilities, I've seen one or two things already, um, and then I'm I'm sure with those one or two things shows that I have lots more, you know, I could unpack, I could do this, you know, I could learn this to improve on this. So that's how people start. And they get to the point where... um, they begin to take all sorts of things and then people start introducing new concepts like, ah, oh, yes, you have to become this, you have to become this. I, I know, but you still have to um, try to become this. You have to grow from a zero to a something. You have to grow from, like they say, grass to grace, grow from a nobody to a somebody. So there's that ideology that is all over, you know, people, um, people would actually accept that they have value. Oh, yes, I know. Mm, yes, I have seen one. Yeah, I, I believe I can do something. I, I know I can do something. And then somehow there's a way people let go of that idea and then begin to walk in some form of scarcity mindset or some form of, like I say, zero to hero something and nothing to something. So they believe that, okay, they start out with nothing. And then eventually at the end of their life, they are trying, they try to then become something. So that book is still like saying that, no, you already have lots of stuff within you. You're not trying to get your abilities. You're not trying to get your potential. You're not trying to get those innate abilities you have within you, your gift, your talent. You're not trying to get them. They're already there. So why don't you work with what you have? So that's basically the idea. Like I say, it's a memoir. So um, I was at that point, I was also trying to do stuff. So I was trying, I was trying. I was, so that's common. You find it just like learning skills. And so you today you are not good in Python. And so you start learning Python. And then eventually after two months or four months, depending on the time, six months a year. And then you are good at Python. So people bring that kind of ideology and then put it into their own value and their own abilities and say, oh, I'm growing from a zero to, but it's not the same thing. Learn skill is different from innate skill or innate potential. Yeah. So I call them um, innate abilities as opposed to learned abilities. So learned abilities is fine. You can journey from zero to something. Um, 
support as opposed to your innate abilities, which is already there 100%. Everything is in there. All you have to do is start working with it. So that's something there um, in the book that's connected. And so it's all the same thing. Ooh, I got two more tweetable quotes. You're not trying to be it. You're ready it. All that you need to succeed, you already have. Yes. Yes. The primary message here is you have a seed of greatness within you. Do the work it takes to nurture it. You're not trying to get that seed. You already have it. Do the smart work required to handle that success. Bring it to life. 